You're listening to a podcast by Mission Field USA, a church planting initiative of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. For more information and resources, visit lcms.org slash church planting. Hello and welcome to the Mission Field USA podcast of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. I'm the Reverend Dr. Mark Larson, manager of church planting for the Synod. And joining me today is the Reverend Dr. Jared Halchi. He serves as the Facilitator for Inter-Ethnic Mission Engagement for the Southeastern District of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. I've known Yared for quite a few years already. He's a native of Ethiopia and has been in the U.S. for about 20 years. So welcome, Yared. Thank you. Thank you, Mark, for having me here. Yes, and our topic for today is the church plant in God's mission. You know, and how mission plants play such an important role in uh, God's mission of spreading the gospel and advancing the reign of his kingdom throughout the world. So, uh, Yared, just turning it over to you, what are some biblical perspectives on God's mission? Thank you, Mark. As we know from the scripture, the gospel of John uh, chapter 20, as Jesus said, you know, the father, as the father has sent me, so I am sending you. And uh, that clearly uh, tells us where the mission originates. It's from the heart of God to the heart of the church so that uh, the heart of the world will be captured. So mission is not really primarily uh, worldly business. It is it is a divine mission and commission that has started from, from God himself, God the Father sending his Son and the Son through the Holy Spirit sending all of us in the church. So uh, I think the code for us is not to worry about inventing different, you know, ways of understanding or even different ways of creating, you know, new stuff for, for, for God. It is rather for us to join his mission because his mission is already there. and We are invited to be part of his mission. And this mission is not, not nothing else than the nature of God himself being loving towards uh, the creation and towards his son and the Holy Spirit, the fellowship they have in the Godhead himself is part of what God does and who God is. So we see mission even from, from, from the way God relates with the other members of the, the Trinity. Because he obviously sent his word, sent his son, sent the Holy Spirit. And there is that active dynamic ways of relationship among the Godhead. And we are humbly invited to be part of that so that the loving message of, uh, of Jesus Christ will be reached out to all people. So because God has that vast passion and, and loving heart for all God's people, our mission is also aligned with that part of, you know, what God does and who God is and, and the nature of God himself and the activity of God himself by and large speaks, you know, volume about what he wants to do with, with his creation, particularly humanity. And, and the big question for us is, are we, are we responding to, to the invitation? Uh, of God's saving, you know, activity for this is invitation and, and there is a response that is needed. And I ask myself and I ask uh, my friends and the church and God's people, whether we are responding in the way that honors God, you know, glorify him 
or sometimes we just ignore or even unfortunately reject the call to be in mission with God because God's desire is for all humankind to be saved by the gracious love and mercy of our uh, Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So I just uh, want to summarize that by, by saying that, you know, God's heart beating through the church so that we can participate in his love to save all humankind. That's the mission of God, in my understanding. Yeah, very good. And one of my professors once said something that I thought was pretty insightful uh, about how from the very beginning, people have kind of violated this call of God to be going out. And we all learn in Sunday school, I think that in the Tower of Babel, the great sin was that they built a tower and God was angry that they were proud. And I'm sure that was part of it. However, when you really look at the text, this professor said, and I believe that he is right, that God was upset that the people were disobeying his command to fill the earth. Because when you mm. read the text of Genesis, it talks about, oh, we're going to build this tower lest we be scattered across the face of the earth. They all wanted to stay together. And so that I, it always reminds me from the very beginning, I always kind of thought yeah. that, that it's the same today. You know, small groups don't want to divide and, and reach more people and churches want to just stay with the people they know. So it's part of our nature, certainly. And when we want to ignore God's call to do that. So um, Pentecost is quite a reversal uh, to what you mentioned. Babylon, of course, divided people and uh, also upset God, as you said. But, uh, you know, the Holy Spirit came upon uh, the church and that same humanity redeemed by the blood of Jesus went out to reverse the course of sin and, and, and show the love of God with, with all nations, all humankind. Yeah. Yeah. That's absolutely true. And I don't know who thought of it, but it was absolute genius. You know, when they put those two readings together in the lectionary, in the three-year lectionary, that the Old Testament sometimes is the uh, Tower of Babel paired with Pentecost and the undoing of the confusion of languages <laughs> by the Holy yeah. Spirit. So it's just, yeah, yeah, very, very good. So, Jared, when presuming a person accepts God's invitation to be on mission with him, I believe it would always be good to do some planning and vision. So what insight might you have in that regard? You know, in this country, there is a saying, agonize, you know, organize or agonize. And we don't want to agonize <laughs> by missing, first and foremost, you know, what the mission of God is. Secondly, even though sometimes we embrace the mission of God, we, 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 we don't plan it well, or we, we're not even intentional in some cases. Uh, so th that should be some intentionality because, you know, this is a mission that costs the life of the savior. And even though we don't die to save ourselves, there is someone who died for us, but we need to take that seriously and align ourselves, not only just with the, the mission focus, but on what we do on everyday basis to be more intentional and to to align some resources uh, alongside because uh, we live in this side of heaven in which, uh, of course, you know, the primary is our heart to be dedicated, but not only just our, our heart or, or passion, passionate, you know, dedication. We need to align some resources around it and also train others to, to work alongside. So this requires some kind of uh, organization and, and planning. And we live in a time where Things really change rapidly 
So the way we do mission might uh, need some kind of um, adjustment. The mission is the same. Christ is the same. Salvation is the same in his name. But the way we do things uh, will change. The styles and approach can vary because we have, first and foremost, a dynamic God who reaches out to all generations across, you know, various cultures and, and social groups. So we need to be alert to the voice of the Holy Spirit. I, I feel that we live in a Kairos moment now. We are coming through a huge pandemic season and also uh, social unrest, division, racial conflicts around the world. And in these instances, I believe God is using all these uh, situations to, to, to tell us that he is about to do something that needs our attention and he's not panicking in heaven about, you know, what's going on in the world. Rather, he is planning in our world so that we can participate in his mission. And I think the big question is, what is God's plan for our life, for our church and for the community around us? And how do we align ourselves with the plan? And, and, and it should be a dynamic plan. It's not like a paper, you know, a plan on a paper and then just, you know, just do it, you know, half-hearted, but uh, to dedicate ourselves with the, 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 the passion the Lord has uh, given to us and, and have some kind of uh, roadmap. In that instance, you know, I'm thinking about when I say plan, um, it, 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 just, it, it, it needs to be, you know, biblical, of course, and the Bible uh, tells a lot more about, you know, planning. We don't have time to go through, you know, the details in biblical verses, but to, to, to see clearly where we are at to analyze, you know, the context. And of course we have the text, the Bible, which is the guiding principle, but where should we apply the text? There should be a context. So we need to know our context and uh, analyze it. When we say, say context, you know, we need to know who, who is available and who is around because God doesn't, you know, necessarily function in a mission context in a vacuum. He needs people. He wants to save people and he wants to send people. So there, there, there have to be people. What kind of people are there? And how do we reach out to them? In what kind of language we will be more effective and how they will receive the message? And God speaks, you know, every language and he knows, you know, generations. And we need to know the demographic uh, information. As they say, you know, demography is, uh, is a destiny, you know, maybe... To some extent, that might be right. We need to know what's going on and uh, develop some kind of harvest uh, vision. You know, it's not just a vision on paper, but a vision that would clearly see and imagine the harvest. Jesus uh, asked the disciples uh, to, to look at the harvest. And that's, I think, where visioning starts in mission to look at the harvest and, and describe the harvest and be intentional about the harvest and have some activities aligned to it. As Jesus said, look at the harvest. And, and he also asked for, for his people, his followers, to pray that the Father would send workers. So there is some work to do. It's not only just imagining, but also engaging in some kind of activities as he did it himself uh, by assigning roles and giving them authority so that they can go town after town, cities after cities, and uh, 
preach the good news. So th- there is a lot to say about planning, but you know, it's not really about having a plan, but what kind of plan and how devoted we are are some of the questions I wrestle with. But definitely this is a time where I think we need to seriously think about some kind of adaptive planning because, because things are changing rapidly under our watch. And the same gospel, but uh, with a different um, tone and maybe a different styles and approach might be relevant to, to many people who are outside of uh, the church at this time. Yeah, that is so true. I, I know that in the parish I'm serving, there are so many different ways to communicate and that changes so quickly. So, you know, we, we just get on Facebook and now they're saying, well, you know, Facebook is for old people. You, if you want to reach the younger people, you really need to be on Instagram. And that's probably old already too. You know, Mm -hmm. now I don't know if it's moved on to TikTok or whatever, you know, that there's so many different ways that people communicate and yet we still hang on to the fax machine. (laughs) So, but we have stopped smoke signals. So that's, and pigeons. So we can't do them all. So very good. Yeah. But plan your work and work your plan. I guess it's kind of what I hear you saying is to, to be effective, we need to get organized. And as you're organizing and talking about involving people. What uh, role do you see spiritual growth and gifts playing? Yeah, I think that's the foundation of what we are called to do. Of course, you know, we ourselves need to respond, you know, graciously to the gracious invitation that the Lord has given to us to be his children. He doesn't force us. We need to respond and baptism makes us one with Christ and we continue to dedicate our life. The blessing started with, with baptism, salvation, uh, forgiveness of sin started where it should be. But that, that, that's a process of, you know, sanctification for us is also there in addition to, you know, what has been done as we have been saved by grace. So to, to, to trust God uh, himself and to communicate with God and uh, to sense his presence in our everyday life, you know, when I am talking to you, it is not only just uh, Pastor Mark on the other side of this conversation responding, talking to me. This is a Christian conversation, so I need to always sense the presence of God even here. I hope, Mark, you feel also the presence of God here, right? Yes, I do. Thank you. Yeah, we did everything we do. We have always that guiding presence in our life. And I think we need to be intentional about it. He is already intentional. He is the one actually started it and always invites us through events in our bedroom or in our living room, or when we go out, when we drive cars or school or work, there is God and our world is uh, filled by our gracious God and Jesus Christ who is the head of uh, the church and he reigns over God's kingdom. He is there already to, to, to make a difference in the lives of people. And I think we need to sense Jesus, not only just on Sunday, 11 AM, but we need to sense his presence on everyday basis. And that will motivate us to, 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 to look, look for, for others and, and, and be compassionate towards others, because if we hang out more with God, we definitely will share his passion 
His compassion for uh, humanity, especially those who are in despair. So the hearts of God will compel us to be loving, kind, and patient with others. So that's where the spiritual growth, I think, starts. And there, there is no perfection that is expected, but we are called to a standard to be confirmed into the likeness of Jesus. God's ultimate purpose in our sanctification is not really for us to gather all these things in church or personal life and to possess everything, but to grow into the likeness of his beloved son, Jesus Christ, to look like more of him in character, in behavior, the way we do things will be confirmed into his likeness. And I think that's the standard to, to, to which we need to strive for, pray. And it's not by might or our strength. It is by his spirit we achieve that. But we need to obey the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit cannot force us. He, he, he can, but he doesn't want to force people into salvation and sanctification. He honors our willingness to work under him and with him. So... And, and that's how we, even ourselves, will be uh, served, you know. Our emotion will be stabilized and we will extend and receive forgiveness, grace from others and even from God himself when we have a healthy a spirituality for ourselves. So all these things really help us to align well with, with God himself and his people so that we can be effective messengers of his gospel. Unless we are healthy spiritually, how do we help for others to be healthy with God and within their circle of uh, relationships? So I think God is after a healthy community. It's not about perfection again. It is about really being healthy so that we can carry this message, precious message to others who are in need of it badly and, and will be able to make a difference uh, in their lives. Yeah, very good. Very good. So then once you get to the mission together and the planning and the vision and growing spiritually, do you have suggestions for particular outreach methods that Christians and uh, congregations uh, can or should employ? I think God speaks through his people, even those people who are not yet redeemed. He speaks through their heart because the law of God is written on every humankind. They need the grace of Jesus Christ to be saved. But the law is working in and around them. That's where the church comes. The people of God come and listen to what's going on there. Be compassionate and kind. And we need to know what the needs are, the pressing, the felt needs are. We sometimes have our own subscriptions and we want people to subscribe to our ways of evangelism or outreach. Which, which might be, you know, a good idea in most cases, but we are now facing a generation and, and, and people groups who want to be independent and they want to declare their even spiritual religious freedom. So we have a very resistant context in that situation while we have the unchanging gospel of Jesus Christ in our hand, but the playground is changed. So we need to know the rules of the playground 
and bring this unchanging message in a changing world through maybe one of the ways would be relational evangelism, which means, for example, you know, take hospitality. God introduced this to his people in the Old Testament or even in the New Testament by God himself identifying us as, as a stranger and accompanies those strangers to come into our households and be part of us. And uh, when we entertain God's people and receive them into our fold, we receive him. He's part of the, 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 the community that seemed to be, you know, quite stranger for strangers for many of us. But hospitality can be one way uh, in which we can share the love of God. That relational evangelism is, I think, uh, uh, a very powerful way for us to share the love of Jesus. It has been there, but uh, we, we have not paid enough attention because we wait until people come to the church. But unless we develop some kind of uh, relationship and invite them into our life, how do they end up coming to the church anyways? So we need to, we need to have uh, that bonding, learning, listening posture in a humble way as Christ did and his apostles followed and bring the ultimate solution to any humankind's problem, which is the gospel, by serving and sharing, you know, that message for them. So we, we can, we can identify, you know, some tangible methods and, and a strategic approach. We don't have time for that. But I think what comes out, jumps out in my uh, mind now is to be more relational, passionate, and listen to their heartbeats and bring the gospel along that line, which uh, would be, I think, and which would have a transforming effect in people's life. Yeah, very good. And that certainly is important strategy as we, as people become more and more distant from the church, it's not if you build it, they will come, but rather we need to be Christ's hands and feet out in the world, sharing his love, building those relationships so people can see Christ in us and see their hope and need for the gospel. So excellent. Uh, Jared, I thank you so much for uh, sharing with us today. And we appreciate all that you're doing in the Southeastern district to encourage congregations to share God's love especially the work that you're doing with inter-ethnic work. I, I think that's fantastic. And I know that it is, it is such an opportunity that God is bringing to us in our church that we don't even have to go to foreign lands, although we want to and continue to do that, but rather we can also share the love of God with our neighbors who might be next door, even though they may originate from around the world. So once again, Jared, thank you so much for sharing with us. And thank you to our listeners for joining us. And we ask that you don't miss the next installment of our Mission Field USA podcast. Thanks for listening to the Mission Field USA podcast for church planting. Visit lcms.org slash church planting for other resources and information to share your ideas and to contact us. The Mission Field USA podcast is a production of the Office of National Mission of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, in partnership with KFUO Radio. The Lord be with you.